again, all my lovely, gorgeous listeners. Thanks, Mel, for tuning in to another episode of Glow West. As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can reach out on Twitter and Instagram at, at @glowwestpodcast. So today I'm putting finally some good use to my extensive collection of vintage sex guides. And we're going to read some of them out for you today. Um, some of them are depressing and some of them have been banned in Ireland and some of them are actually quite good and quite progressive for their time. Um, and joining me is another absolute sex nerd who also has their own collection of vintage sex education guides. And today I'm talking to Ness Cooper, who is a clinical sexologist and therapist who works in private practice at nesscooper.co.uk. And she's also the sex and relationship expert for Juju. So, Ness, thanks a mil for coming along. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How about you? I am all good. It's rainy, but I'm well used to that by this stage, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, so come here, you are another sex nerd. Um, and it's it's come a long way, hasn't it, sex education? Definitely. Um it's like um for a long time. Pretty much it wasn't spoken about and that I, I remember in school it wasn't really spoken about at all and stuff and then when I started training like 15 years ago there was not many people even doing training in it so now you can get training anywhere you can get books anywhere it's pretty amazing I know it's so, and it's such a small bit of time like we had hundreds of years and not talking about it and people who were pregnant and had no idea how they got pregnant and now we're like oh you can just go on an Instagram account and like look up sex ed and it's like that's some massive progress so yeah it's, and especially for things like masturbation that was definitely not spoken about in well in any kind of positive term I suppose did you get any masturbation guidance in your neck of the woods? Not really in school, but I remember one of the first um, training courses I went on, they did attempt to do pleasure and um, masturbation and the amount of horrified uh, educators and teachers there and say, I'm not going to teach that was pretty much like there was just me and another person who were like, we're going to teach that. Oh. And everyone else was like, no. I know, I know. Uh, it's just, yeah, look, I'm sure that debate goes on today and uh, yeah, it's it's a complicated one, but it does have its roots in long-term history, so the Victorian times. So I have, I'll have i start off with one book that I have, and I've actually looked at this. If anyone wants to read my chapter on zombie sex toys, that's going to be it soon enough, um, just DM me. I didn't think I'd be writing a chapter on zombie sex toys, but this is my life now. So I wrote about, um, you know, masturbation, because obviously that's what you do with a sex toy. And But I looked at the history of it. And so this book goes back to 1758. So this is Dr. Tissett. Have you heard of him, Ness? No. Okay, so this guy had some serious issues when it came to masturbation. So basically his book was like, if you masturbate, you'll get hairy palms and die, that kind of approach. And he was taken really, really seriously by everyone around because he was a doctor. So people were like, okay, well... You obviously know this and we'll take your word for it. So it was pretty bad. So then so what he did was um, he described masturbation as the source of disease of the mind and the body. And you'd be left lifeless and drooling and just basically a human zombie just waiting to die because you'd get rid of all your essence through masturbation and stuff. Um, so some of the descriptions in it, so let me read them out. So damage to the brain, which was alleged to shrink with masturbation. And the descriptions were flesh rotting away, weak, lifeless, death, of course, wasting bodies, loss of flesh, convulsions, and you would resemble a cavadier. A cavadier? No, what's, how do you say that? A dead body. 
Kadaba. Kadaver. There we go. There we go. Um, so that was really like intense, wasn't it? If you like all those things attributed to masturbation and people believed it because, you know, he's a fancy person. It sounds kind of like what I remember happened at school, like the boys always talking about masturbation and that, like they say, oh, your fingers will drop off or you'll go blind and stuff like that. It's like stuff like that seems to still continue. And I was like sitting in a playground because I've got a kid and that as well. And there was like some teenage boys running around talking about their sex ed in school. And it was quite horrific what they were saying, like you'll die if you have sex and stuff like that. And I'm just like, what do I do here? I don't know, it's not really appropriate if I step in. I know, you kind of become that person who's like, I know you're all wrong and I can all help you, but it's awkward and consent and everything else. Oh, God, yeah, it's just, yeah, it hasn't changed really. But I mean, that shows how important those books were back in the, like, I mean, 1758, my maths are terrible, as everyone knows, but you're, you're coming up on like 300 years there of like, you know, people still essentially believing that, that like, you know, and your eyes would like separate as well, like they'd move further to towards your ears as well. And it's like, that's, that's a lot of power attributed to stroking your body. Yeah. I, and also, oh God, I'm getting all these memories of that. <laughs> wow. My, I remember getting some books off my mum when I hit like teenage years. Uh, one was about periods and a cartoon girl from like, it was like 1950s vibe. I can't even remember. One day I'll find it in a bookshop. But the other, she gave me an, a book on Aristotle, like an actual old book okay. with uh, pictures of um, babies and stuff and things. And she was like, this is what pregnancy is and stuff. And uh, she also gave me a book about Cleopatra and her relationships and empowerment. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> to be used as sex education? Yes. Um, that was pretty much my sex education from my parent, well, my main parent and that who was involved oh. in my life. Okay. That's, um, that would leave you a bit messed up, I'd imagine, for a while. That's, that's not great. <laughs> I, I was thankful that I, I knew how to use the library and look up some decent books and things that yeah, yeah. thank god for libraries they're the, yeah the best thing ever well we have other ones here and I'll, I'll start with one of them and this one is a pamphlet that came out so again written by a doctor doctors have a lot to answer for i think in this kind of area so this one's called sex differences between men and women and nagging wives so what do we think of that title i mean kind of uh, a bit leading so far there yeah, oh, it kind of gives me like the shivers as well. <laughs> I know. And on the cover, it says women are naturally frigid. So we're like, okay, um, huh. this is this is not going to be great. This is not going to be a very positive one. So this is Dr. George W. Crane. And let me think, uh, when did this come out? Oh, I don't think this one has a date on it, but I'm pretty sure it's like 1950 something. Um, and some of the quotes in it is just horrendous. So... A woman is much like a child in her sexual desires. She craves petting and caressing, entertainment and ego inflation from pretty speeches, but may be perfectly willing to stop there. So do you, do you need a pretty speech, Ness, when it comes to your sex life? Not really. <laughs> um, no. That's what, I mean, what is a pretty speech? I suppose it's like flattery, oh, you look great and stuff, but like... Much like a child, Jesus, there's there's quite a lot wrong with that. Kind of like it's the they they're like describing a woman as if a woman's a pet as well, and I'm just like, yeah, 
Oh, it's gross. And like entertainment. I mean, I'm sorry, but like most people would like their sex lives to be a bit entertaining. I mean, you're doing it because it should be fun, not entertainment. Like what is that about? Oh, and also this gold. The woman, in other words, usually prefers fewer orgasms, but more exciting one. Whereas the man follows the philosophy expressed by the old adage, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Basically, men are like, they'll take what they can get and women are like, happier with less orgasms. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's such a statement to make. Like, that's... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. So, like, I'd love to see the science for that one. And then this this chapter, so obviously he goes into the nagging wives part of things. Um, And this is basically saying because they're sexually unsatisfied they become nagging wives um which is lovely oh, god and then it's um so let me see uh this uh so it's a woman who is sexually hungry even though she doesn't know what the matter is with herself she begins nagging and irritating her husband she scolds and becomes a regular termagant i don't know what that means she acts like a child who is jealous of the mother's attentions to the babies Um, Women will subconsciously try to irritate their husbands into laying hands upon them. They want physical contact, even if they must provoke the husbands to anger. I mean, that really speaks a lot about how domestic violence was viewed, wasn't it? Of like, they just basically need a good ride. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like that. They didn't really have much going on in relationships back then as well. Like they, they didn't talk about like personality and intimate things. They, they didn't seem to have date nights as well. If they're classing sex as entertainment, and that mm-hmm. like they didn't even think about going for like a walk around the block or something. Yeah, other forms of entertainment. <laughs> God, yeah, that's kind of depressing. Like you think, like we're looking back and laughing at it now, but you're thinking like this was handed out to people and like used to legitimize things like violence and stuff. I mean, this guy is, he's a member of the Pan-American Psychological Association. So whatever that is, and in brackets, the Papa of scientific psychology. So like, that's kind of worrying that these people who are in positions of power have that influence over people. And God, yeah, probably not that far removed from that in a lot of places. I also find that like some it doesn't happen as much now, maybe because we're we've become a bit more aware, but like people who need to have high up positions like that, they never continued like looking into things all the time or researching or like challenging their beliefs and finding like evidence and stuff. So it's just like it probably just got a title and then that was like for the next thirty years or something what they did. So kind of like a one and done. They were like, we've solved this issue. Let's move on kind of thing. Oh, and especially it's mad to the kind of think that you could do that with sexuality. Like that's why it's so fun working in this area, because like we never we're never going to know all the different ways people get off because it's so varied and what people are into and how they experience sexuality. And that's why it's kind of fun that it is so, so wide and so massive. But what you're saying, those people were like, no, no, like tick the box. That's done sorted yeah i think some of them no yeah yeah far too many of them i think oh gosh um and so let me let me have a look at one of yours so what have you got what what delights have you got for us today so i've got sexual pleasure in marriage and um this is by two people jerome and julia rayner so i'm presuming probably married 
and that. I think it's 19, 1959. Okay. Oh, they'd have to be definitely married at that stage. Yeah. And um, it, it basically on the back, it says inconsiderate husbands and unresponsive wives. So, um, unresponsive wives. Okay. Yeah. God. Or we'll and, just say um, to the listeners, we are starting with some of the more depressing ones. So it does get a bit better than this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did have some really good ones that I couldn't get to because I've got like books really awkward. Like this Japanese one from the 60s, you read it and it's like, oh, it's almost like it was written yesterday. Wow. But, um, I'll, I'll take that out for maybe another time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, again, it's frigid women are not icy, far from it, unless there is present at the same time the unusual condition of vaginal anesthesia. Most frigid women can become aroused to great heat. Their misfortune is that they cannot reach orgasm. And um, they use uh, the accurate term is orgasm failure. So they're saying women who can't orgasm are failures and that. And it goes on... Um, a bit more like even though it's like it seems to be like however she made no connection between her um all gastric all gastric i think they're meant to say orgasmic failure there and her husband's continued failure to effect an insertion with a totally erect penis so i think um we're thinking like uh dyspareunia vaginismus and stuff like that and but it's like they're telling wives that they're a failure and this book was actually recommended by the mayo clinic as well oh and they're like pretty influential like that every time you do go on to like google and google your medical symptoms that's where you're, you're going to is the mayo clinic you're seeing their work most of the time definitely and when was this this was the 50s yeah, 1959, and it was reprinted up until like 1969, and then the sexual revolution probably told them to get lost. So I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Like it's that's fascinating how, yeah, like there are well, obviously they didn't know about things like vaginismus and stuff, but even that's just not very positive at all, is it? Even without the medical aspects. No, and pretty much I didn't pick a specific bit of that book because you just turn to any page and it's saying women are frigid it's women's fault uh they've got something wrong with them it's their health conditions and then there's like some bits in it which are like focusing on the mouse sexuality and that and it's like it's always the women's fault but so i'm just like no not always that yeah, I mean, you'd wonder if anyone back in the day had a good sex life if they were female and just like that's all stacked up against you. And then you're expected on top of all that to have like 16 kids and stuff, you know, especially if you were Irish or Catholic or both. You know, we had like big families and it's like that's that's a lot of work, but very little pleasure to go with it. Yeah, I, I had the offer to move and uh, get married in Ireland and oh. become Catholic when I was like uh, 1920. Um, but I'm glad I didn't because <laughs> he wasn't, I was like dead set. I wanted to go into the sex and relationship industry as a therapist or an educator or well, it seems like both now. But um, he, he was like, no, you will stay home. You will have an allowance and that. And we have to make my grandparents and my parents happy every time we go and see them and do like act in certain ways and that. And I was just like, no. Okay, I'm kind of glad you, you didn't <laughs> go down that route. So 
Yeah, but that's, that's, I mean, that's what it was. Like you were just the housekeeper essentially like back and, and then, yeah, your sexual yeah. pleasure was just not a part of it. Like, so Ireland, like we banned any, the, any book that was related to sex. I think Playboy didn't, wasn't allowed to go on our shelves, I think to like 1995, I think. I have the first Playboy that was not, not the first Playboy, but a copy of the issue. It has Pamela Anderson on it. So I think it's 1995. Um, but we banned like so much. A lot of the books are about abortion because obviously Ireland on abortion, it's not a great history, you know, where it's only legal um, in the past couple of years. But I have one book here that is actually quite positive. So it's called How to Drive Your Man Wild in Bed by Graham Masterson. So this was banned, um, even though it's about male pleasure, um, which seems to be the only kind of pleasure recognised by these kind of people. So this is 1976. And I think like part of it was like, it's quite um, like modern in some ways, like the idea. So there's one chapter here on being kinky and um, I kind of quite like how it starts off. So it's like if your lover starts expressing an interest in tying you up to the bedpost or dressing up in women's clothing or getting you to whip him or in urination or defecation or in rubber or leather or in making love in a bathtub full of marshmallows, then I believe there are two very important things for you to think about. So, and then they go on to think about like consent and like, why are you doing this? Like, is it because you want to do or because you want to um, please them? And it's like, that's kind of quite revolutionary for 1976 that like they're thinking about, do you actually enjoy it or not? Like it goes on to say, um, you have to decide whether you enjoy kinky sex or not. There's no point in going on with any relationship if your lover insists you do things that you don't like. I think it's important that you should try a few kinks out in the most unprejudiced, oh, I can't speak today, unprejudiced way you can because you might find that something that sounds revolting is in fact rather pleasant. But after, if after trying it, you really find that it leaves you more than cold, you'll have to put the, your foot down. Either that wetsuit goes or I do and that's that. It's like, that's quite fun, isn't it? And like, sex should be fun. That's kind of interesting. I feel like I want to get that book now, if I can find a copy. <laughs> yeah. I had to hunt it down on eBay. I'm trying to find all the banned books that we had. That's exciting. The local bookshop, they've got a little uh, shelf uh, just for me because they noticed I was buying, like, it's an antique bookshop. And, that, and I was buying all the sex books, all the reproductive books and all that kind of stuff and things. And they've called boinkologist books because uh, I coined, they coined the term boinkologist. Like, I, Ness is the local boinkologist. So <laughs> please have that on a business card or a t-shirt or something. <laughs> I must do that. Yeah, I really need to get into merch. That would be excellent merch. Please do. I will buy that. Absolutely. Um, I think this is an interesting one as well where... They're talking about bondage in, in the same book. So it's like he goes into like real detail from real couples. And like he's talking about Nina and Paul. He's like, Paul wasn't a real bondage freak. He was just putting an erotic fantasy into practice. So I love how he's like not judging or anything. Um, and then this bit, genuine bondage fetishists go to the most elaborate lengths to tie themselves up. And they get their real kicks from the feeling of masochistic helplessness that results they buy handcuffs, leg irons, straight jackets and manacles and then spend more time relishing knots than cunts. They will often visit prostitutes who specialise in bondage and punishment and pay handsome sums of money to be tied up and humiliated. 
I mean, that's like to the point there, isn't it? I suppose. <laughs> Pretty good, actually. That's better than some uh, books I've read recently, actually. <laughs> and even to say the word cunt in it as well, I think is quite, I mean, considering that like that word is so stigmatized and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I always find that whenever I've like, done uh, like workshops or talks where you go through like lists of names for like the vulva and the vagina and stuff like that. And it's, if I say cunt, I mean, you get so many faces that go, <gasps> And that, and uh, they almost want to leave. You can tell that they're uncomfortable in that. I'm just like, it's a word. Come on, seriously. I saw something on Twitter today, actually, and they're talking about, you know, um, I'm trying not to give too many spoilers away, but there's attempted sexual violence in The Last of Us, the awesome new zombie film um, or well series with Pedro Pascal, who I'm like, obsessed with. He's like, awesome. But she says the word cunt in it, um, the, the, the little girls. And someone was like, that was completely unnecessary. That's disgraceful that she said that word. And I'm like, are you not focusing on the attempted sexual violence there? You're focusing on the fact that she says the word cunt. And like, it's spanned this huge discourse that like, oh, it's really inappropriate that they had that word in it. And it's like, it's 2023. How are we still at this point? I don't understand, really. <laughs> it's a, I think it's a bit of a Puritan kind of as well. So I think. I think it is actually, but it's like I'm always doing like extra study, like in my spare time. I, I do need to get a life, I think. <laughs> but it's like um, I was actually doing uh, like a domestic violence, sexual assault kind of uh, extra training because I always feel, even though I've got so much training, that it's an area that I always constantly need to keep up studying. But it's like um, they they showed a clip during it, and it was kind of that kind of thing. Like they showed a clip of a perpetrator and a victim, and the victim said a word, and all of a sudden the focus from the room and that was on the victim saying that word, and not the actions happening between the perpetrator and oh. the. And it was like she shouldn't be saying that. It was like no, no, she can say what she wants to say, and that yeah, it doesn't justify what happens. Like that's. It's kind of, that's very victim blaming, isn't it? Of like, well, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't walk down the road at nighttime. And it's it's very connected to that aspect of things. Again, the Puritan culture as well. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not great. Um, Would you like to hear some of the 70 sexy things you can do for him today? Oh, good. Yeah, I might learn something. Okay, okay. (laughs) but it shows how old it is first because it's like um, borrow a Polaroid camera and take some sexy pictures of him and you together. So it's yeah, back in the day. Um, this one I think I could be kind of annoyed at. Wake him up at 3 a.m. and suck his penis. I I can just see that I'd like probably get like knocked out of bed or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my sleep. Like <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah, I'm getting into that. Um, this one. Um, which is terrible. Pop a cherry. You know those, how do you say glace cherries? You know the ones that are like... Um, Glacier? Yeah, the ones for baking that are like uh, um, preserved or something. Mm-hmm. Um, pop one of those up your vagina and I invite him to lick it out. Oh, there's a lot wrong with that. <laughs> She's getting an ST- or a UTI. Not a UTI. A thrush infection. That's where I'm going. But I do actually... Oh, God. 
I, I like talking to you because you're making me have all these memories of that back <laughs> in my life. And it's like amazing. Tell me about the cherries you have shoved up your vagina. <laughs> not not <that> mine. <laughs> but I, I remember like doing like writing for like uh, adult industry company about eight years ago. And we were still recommending shoving food up people's vaginas or asses and stuff like that. We were like... This is how to make an anal safe dildo out of a cucumber and stuff. And I, I was like questioning it, but that was like the copy you had to write as well. So it's like about maybe close to 10 years ago. But it's not that long ago. And like, no. I mean, at least like a cucumber is less sugary than a sugary cherry. I mean, that yeah. might be a bit better, but oh, I mean, if you're into fruit and you're listening, just put a condom on it, but also just buy a toy for. The, the intended purpose much better for you you can get fr- uh, ones that look like fruit now if it's all about the look and the shape yes uh, I, I'm fascinated by the variety you can get in dildos now like you can get like tentacles you can get octopus stuff you can get like um, like imaginary dragon penises but you can also get like corn and just like you name it a, a sex toy exists of it I suppose at the moment I have my own um, silicon degasser and uh, like a load of silicon. So every now and again, I make something weird. <laughs> oh, okay. Please share some of those images. What's the weirdest they're, thing you made? They're, they're quite bad at the moment. I'm still practicing, but I, one that I think like I just need to change a bit. It's like little kind of steampunk cogs in places and stuff. Oh my god. Like, yeah. I'm actually not surprised knowing you. I'm like, yeah, steampunk dildo. That totally sounds like something you'd be into. That's, but there's a market for that, though. Steampunk stuff is huge. Yeah, it's very popular. Doesn't go out of fashion. No, definitely not. Those cogs, there's something in them for sure. Um, this one is fascinating here. Um, pack an erotic letter in with his sandwiches. Not as popular in the end with his sandwiches. So, you know, but also make sure you're still the kind of good wife who sends him off with his sandwiches. Yeah. Um, buy a vibrator and surprise him by pushing it up your own bottom while he's making love to you. I'm amazed sex toys being mentioned. I'm, I'm happy as well. It's but... quite good, isn't it? But like, yeah. I mean, that's not a seamless maneuver. Like that's, you can't just pull it out and shove it in and away you go. I mean, that's going to take a bit of time and lube and everything else you can't just shove it in there and away you go kind of thing so well I mean you could but you might be risking some tears but then it follows on buy another vibrator and surprise him even more by pushing the other one up his bottom while he's making love to you I like that suggestion as well but even, even though it's a bit fast and a bit forward but I'm like they've actually suggested shove a vibrator up a guy's ass. I'm like yes it's good but obviously consent but like yeah that was consent lube but that's like, yeah, a lot of guys don't. They're just like, no, I don't. I basically don't have an anus. The only time it comes into play is when you're in the bathroom. Otherwise, it shall not be mentioned or anything like that. And it's like, that's kind of sad, isn't it? Like so many guys miss out on that pleasure. I do know a lot of couples and men who, like, this is like through just observing in that. They do talk about like their uh, bathroom habits quite a lot to their partner. So there's, I don't know, some pleasure from like talking about that area to them so that's true that's true well yeah i mean there's something there for everyone um this one here i think is so these ones are more challenging um see if you can get both of his balls in your mouth at once and see if you can get the whole of your vulva into his mouth at once Hmm. yeah um 
That's a challenge. That is. That's, that's like a Guinness Book of Guinness Book World Records challenge kind of thing going on there. And then this one I love. Masturbate together and whoever comes first wins a free dinner. Nah. That's, you, you can guarantee that you're not going to like come because you're thinking about it. <laughs> you're just like, oh, I'm dying for that burger. Like, yeah, come on. But like also like... Yeah, you could just fake at that and you you could be like, oh, I really want a steak. Like, I really need to win this challenge. Like, let's go. But then that's not very ethical. Um, there's, oh, this one is like, right, really specific and also has changed with modern times. Masturbate him in the back of a taxi and see if he can reach a climax by the time the meter gets to £3.50. Yeah, you, you can't really do that in taxis at all now, which is a good thing because it's like you're all about consent and things, but I'm trying to like, I bet people probably did do stuff like that. Oh, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Like it's in like every movie, isn't it? It's like the poor tax driver is driving along and people are basically having sex in the back of the car. And I'm like, like, I don't know. Yeah. Again, consent, like I suppose you look at these things and you're like, oh, doesn't kind of work. But they do have one for a woman as well. Get him to masturbate you in the back of a taxi and see if you can reach a climax by the time the meter gets to $3.75. So the woman gets an extra $0.25 cent on the meter, which um, is interesting. <laughs> I wonder if they're taken into account like it can take a bit longer. or Well, $0.25 like, cents worth longer. I mean, how long is that in a taxi? I'm trying to figure that out. That must be... Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, the way inflation... Because like a taxi in Ireland now, it's probably like 5 or six euro to just to even get in the door. So you wouldn't really get very far in that one. But yeah. Or even this one, look, buy an inflatable sex doll each, a sex doll each, a girl for him and a boy for you and take them to bed for a pneumatic threesome. Dolls cost around $40 each. And these days, almost all of them are equipped with oral, anal and gentle facilities. That's quite, I mean, it it sounds a bit mad now, but like recommending you buy sex dolls for your marriage is quite like progressive for 1976. Definitely. I have noticed that there's like less sex dolls out there for like, well, less uh, sex dolls with penises and like for like targeted for cisgendered women to enjoy and stuff now. Mm. Um, it's just... It's all about the sex robot now, isn't it? And they're all like mm -hmm. 10 grand or something. I keep trying to get a free one, but it never works. I know. It would be great. I just want like, just to see it and just, I touched some um, of the real dolls before and I was actually really impressed by like the texture of the skin of them. And like, I thought like they feel kind of real, like they do feel good, but then obviously that's a different step away from a, a, a robot as such. But yeah, and even then they were like, a good few thousand. Mm. See, I think I'd miss like the smell of someone who I'm attracted to, or when I'm getting aroused and that. But I'm I'm the same also with other things. Like I like books rather than e-books because yes. they've got like texture and smell and things. So. Yeah, I can't. I'm not an e-book person at all. I, I'm yeah, I'm old school. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell us. Have you got a, a positive one that is less depressing? Um. <laughs> If I don't, so I did have this other one that was quite depressing, which uh, 
it does talk about masturbation, but it says like basically women are, who masturbate are single, divorced, or widowed. Oh, um, okay. That that's um, the only reason. Single, divorced, or widowed. Okay. <laughs> no other reason at all. No, we, you don't need orgasms if you don't have a relationship. Though there you go. <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah, that's kind of depressing. I have one here. This is from He and She by Kenneth. Burns and that one what's the date on this one 1958 so we're going back in time but this is quite I mean they have a whole section on morals which kind of tells you it's, it's probably not going to be good but they do mention the clitoris in it though um, but not very much so there's a small organ in front of the vulva so in front of the vulva it's not quite it's not like hovering there in the air like in front of it doesn't like yeah, it's attached. Um, where the inner labia joins. It's called the clitoris and it is like the tip of a minute penis. Indeed, it is what corresponds in the woman's body to the penis in a man's. No tube passes through it and its only value is that during sexual activity it becomes, like the penis, very sensitive and excitable. When a woman is really prepared for intercourse, the clitoris becomes a little enlarged and more prominent, a process corresponding to the erection of the penis. And at the same time, the tissue around the vagina becomes distended with blood, this ten this tending to open the vagina and make the insertion of the penis easier. But that's it. That's like they don't even say, well, stimulate the clitoris and you could have an orgasm that way. It's it's just kind of it's kind of mentioning the same way as like, oh, you have a urethra. Like it's not like kind of saying, by the way, you should probably like pay attention to this this little spot. Yeah. No, um, I noticed that was a lot of books. They, they just um, kind of like mention it subtly and then that's it. And it's like, yeah, you don't do anything with, with it. And that's just decorative, basically, at that stage. Yeah. See, I think this one about masturbation, I had it a moment ago. Unless it's one of the others. Eh? But the, oh, yeah, here we go. So this is How to Get More Out of Sex by David Ruben and I think it's another quite early uh, this is 1975 or 74 and uh, they go what is what's D and B so they go um, two innocent sounding initials that pull back the curtain on the themius side of the soul they stand for discipline and bondage. Oh no, this isn't the clitoris one. Um, because this book does mention stimulating the vagina and the clitoris at the same time. So okay, we got to the wrong bit. But again, another book that says about BDSM. That's good. Um, I think it's must be more organised in future. They might have little tabs. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to wreck the book though. I, it's kind of oh. yeah. I don't want them to kind of go. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, the fact that they're mentioning masturbation so much, it's, it's quite good. Like, I mean, and I think like even I have another one here, which is um my favorite title. I think sex is never an emergency, which I absolutely love that someone wrote a book called that. Um, and this is the 1970s, um, 1970. But it even talks about things like um premature ejaculation as well. And that it seems to be quite progressive. So it's saying like, oh, does masturbation have anything to do with it? Um, and then it kind of says, no, it's anxiety, really. Um, the, this anxiety can also affect the performance of a long married male who sets out on an extramarital affair. So it's like your guilt and anxiety is going to cause your premature ejaculation. Gosh. 
yeah, okay, well, I mean, that's something. Like, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, I think some of them are progressive and some of them are real dark ages stuff. But it, then I think yeah. it, that comes down to like how religious they are sometimes. I have a lot of religious oh. ones that are very much like this is the only way to have sex and it's someone who's married yeah. and yeah it's I, great. I, I picked up a bundle when I work because every time I go on holiday or travel and I'm like where's the second hand bookshop where can I get the second hand sex books and stuff and there's a load of like um, abstinence and like conversion therapy books and them um, and that and it's just like oh but I, I got them because they are interesting to read Absolutely. because it's like i find in my private practice you get people who have been brought up with those beliefs still so it's useful to understand where they came from not just from like other uh things about them and stuff so yeah well sure you still have people um pushing for conversion therapy and stuff like that so well, I, I was asked to uh, be a head of um a division in a clinic uh just when my son was the so for seven years ago when my son had just been born i got called up to go to a meeting that was hosted at uh, the university of east anglia in one of their meeting rooms and um she was like you're very knowledgeable in sex and that and things originally she did let on that it was going to be conversion therapy but she asked me to be the conversion therapist we have to tell them that their sex is bad and stuff and this is the way we are going to make a lot of money. And I was sitting there drinking my uh, Evian or whatever and uh, kind of thinking, when can I leave? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Like that's, Jesus. It's How long ago was that? Seven years? Seven years ago. If that's in, yeah, that's not great, isn't it? And like that's still kind of going on today though. I mean, it is a big business, isn't it? Like, conversion therapy or sex addiction clinics and you know sex addiction we've covered it on the podcast before that like it's such a controversial area it's not accepted as a diagnosis in many areas and a lot of the time it's just to do with shame and especially a lot of religious shame coming into it so but again there's money to be made off people struggling with their sexuality but sadly there is a lot of money for it and it's been proven countless times it doesn't help people so yeah yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, the people who are like the ex-gays and they, they mm. you know, they, they become preachers in it and they're like, I used to be gay and now I found a lovely wife and everything's fine. And you're like, I wonder what's going on at home. Like, is that, is, that person must be in tor- turmoil, like of just, oh yeah, that's kind of depressing. I, I have another religious one here and it, well, this one's called This Is Loving by David Wilkinson. And this is one I, I got recently for 50 cents, which is good. Um, 1972 and this talks about um, queer people as well but it it's kind it comes at it at first it doesn't it's not too bad like it's kind of saying um, they're they're not queers in inverted commas um, those who are hooked by homosexuality are ordinary people who are tangled in a strange web and then they're like they're giving out to people for thinking bad of them so it's the worst kind of prejudice think of homosexuals as freaks oddballs or sex maniacs and it's unchristian to call them names and it's tragic to see parents disown their sons and daughters who become homosexuals i mean that's it's meant to call something like that like um positive because obviously it's not but um oh and then yeah it goes on and says um a homosexual boy or girl is like a lamb who has somehow gone astray and is deeply hurt, lonely, desperate and in need of help. 
homosexuals are not born that way and it's not inherited. Um, It's basically a disturbed relationship between parents or between parent and child. Like that's, I mean, this is the 70s, you know, (laughs) like Mm. it's not that long ago. God, so you, you still get people with that kind of way of thinking about like sexuality and the same with gender and it, it's like it's it's not helpful and that and but I, I, I know where you're coming from as well with part of that being positive where they shouldn't like be offensive towards queer individuals and that but it's like mm, it's bottom of the barrel isn't it it's, it's really yeah. don't call them names but also there's something wrong with them. Like, yeah, not great. God, yeah. And I think, yeah, a lot of the religions are so, um, see, these are all Catholic religion ones, so they're not, um, uh, like, it's not, I don't have any Jewish guides, actually. Are there a lot of Jewish sex out guides or um, Islamic ones? I don't know. You, the only thing that I can think about that comes close is, like, oh, um, no, that's not. So, I'm currently doing some study again, Matt. But um, there is a section on Judaism and sexuality in about three weeks' time. We get to, so maybe I will ask you to that, and mm. I'll, I'll let you go. Do that would be fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, that would be good. Do you have mm. any any other ones that are slightly uh, less depressing? I know I really okay. said some of the good ones. Well, yeah, ne- next time, um, if I do pop on and we do this again, because there's so many books, but um, I'll definitely find some of the more fun ones, because I do remember some of them. They're quite hilarious as well. Uh-huh. But uh, th- this is the Concise History of Sex Manuals. So it's a book about sex manuals. Oh, nice. It's by Crazy Simmons, and it's Faber and Faber, which I'd love to, to write a book for Faber and Faber. So if I'm around there. <laughs> Give me a DM, slide in. <laughs> And uh, it was uh, 1986, so they're writing a book about sex manuals in 1986. And um, I'll just give you a rundown on the topics that they cover. So first nights, like losing virginity and that. Animal passion, so human skills of uh, humans being like passionate to have animal level. The solitary device, extramarital sex, uh, the dirt in the gutter beside the path of life. Breeding birds and bees, how often, how long, missionary zeal, friction and fantasy, comings and goings, ripe months, autumn years, problems and answers, harper and harpies, am I old, French and other methods, a particular thrill or glow. I think I'll go to harpers and harpies quickly and see what they... Is a harpy still an insult in the UK? He used to be very much like, oh, you're a dirty harpy kind of thing. That makes sense of... Again, another look. Yeah, you, you're definitely the person who unlocks my memories. So but no, it's like a weird therapy uh, session. <laughs> oh, good <gosh>, sure. <laughs> you do better than my therapist. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to charge you after this. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, I, I, I remember when I was a teen, it was used sometimes, but I haven't heard it being used since. But I'm sure people do in certain areas of the UK. Yeah, maybe a local kind of thing. So, um, the working class wife is confronting the young bride whose husband has just gone off 
to the front of the Great War. No, my dear, you don't know what you're up again yet, but wait until you're been to, been to bed over 3,000 nights with the same man like me and had to put up with everything. Then you'd be blooming glad the old Kaiser went potty. Kaiser? K-A-Y-S-E-R. Went potty, yeah. Okay. Okay. So basically, sex with one person for a while is kind of boring and weird? Yeah, I think so. I don't... It's been a while since I've read this one, and it's like, it kind of like feels a bit like fiction in places, but then it's referencing all these doctors who I really probably should uh, check out and see if they've got books. I bet they do. Okay, okay. So we'll make a date to come back in a few months and then see if we can read out some more. Because I have, I must have like 50 books and some are obviously much better than the others. I mean, Nagging Wives is just horrendous. Um, but I want to get my hands on more of the band books as well. I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But um, yeah, so do you have any recommendations while we finish up, actually, um, on, on more modern, inclusive, better sex ed guides that aren't uh, supporting domestic violence or sexual violence or uh, know that the clitoris is, is a thing? <laughs> well, I'm quite liking a lot of books like that talk about sexuality in different ways. So, um, I'm caught the start here. I've got a whole bookcase in that, but, um, like, you got, like, more orgasms, please. I quite like that. I like the title. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's a good title. Um, Sex Ed for Adults by Ruby Rare is one I always recommend because I think I just obsessed yeah. with it. The good one. Um, then I also like, even though it's a sex book, but Sarah Pascoe's book is, well, it is, it's got sexuality in and it's like a bit and it's funny. Sarah Pascoe, the comedian. Yeah. Oh, cool. I like her. Okay. It's, it's like, okay, you don't always have to read a completely dedicated sex book for to get little snippets that are useful or fun. Like yeah, that's, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Because it can be off-putting as well for people to, to want to buy something like that. I mean... Yeah, especially if you're checking out with something called the joy of sex, it might be a little bit complicated. Yeah, there's just so many. I, I think next time, definitely going to come more prepared with like fun of books. Because I, I, I'm just like remembering some of the ones that make you want to spit your drink out if you're drinking the cup of <laughs> yeah, tea. I know, but it's good to look at some of those as well. But yeah, it's it's glad to see we we've moved on a little bit as well. We so grab. God, yeah, no, definitely. Um, Ness, this has been fantastic. Where can people find you if they if they want to follow along with all the awesome work that you're doing? Okay, so you can find me mostly on Twitter at the moment at the Lady Ness. So that's where I just share a lot of things. And um, yeah, we've already said uh, my website is nesscooper.co.uk, and I'm available for private practice consultations, various bits and bobs, or just a laugh. Perfect, perfect. Well, that will keep you busy either way. So um, <laughs> this has been fantastic and slightly depressing and fun, which is reflective of sex in general, I suppose. So, um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, we'll make a date to go back through some more books in the future. So thank you so much. And thanks to all my listeners. Um, thank you for sticking with us through some of the more um 
illuminating guides to sexuality over the years. So thank you so much. If you want to get in touch, um, the Twitter and Instagram is at Glow West Podcast. Um, if you have any suggestions for any topics or any guests that you want to come on, just shoot me a message and see where we go from there. But uh, yeah, thanks all for listening and hopefully enjoy some more modern sex guides. Not those ones. Chat soon. Bye.